This is a reminder, you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. And this is Encounter with God here on The Breakfast yes. Show. You're with the original Double L team here, Lyle and Lawson this morning. <laughs> the original. We, we need to make a jingle for that. When, when, when was the, how long ago was the first time you did radio? How many um, years ago was that? I think it was like August or September 2018. That's a few, that's, yeah. so you're a veteran of this. Yeah, I'm getting there. Well, because I've never, well, I say I've, I've, I was about to say I've never had a solid period on radio, but then in 2019, like I, there was a good, yes. where I'd do like a month block or Absolutely. a two month block. And yeah. then we went to Africa and then like, yeah. And, uh, when radio was, remember when we were hosting up in Raymond Terrace? Yes. And, and I was like, yes. dude, yeah. Radio every morning. And I think you went away and I got like, Deathly sick one morning, and it was Shell, <laughs> Shell and Joel show. Like just, just with, yeah, with, with Lawson laying on the floor, quietly oh, dying in the corner. Man. That smashed me. But like then, so life, you've been here through the thick and the thin the of it. Th- you've dude, been I've seen, I've seen you, everything. I've you've seen, seen the toughest times of yeah, Faith FM radio I've that seen, have ever existed. I've seen hashtag shutdown Faith FM. I've seen not that that ever existed, but when, <laughs> when, when I, I was, I was, we hosted the. The last show of Faith FM ever together. Remember? <laughs> yeah. That's right. And two days later, back on <laughs> air back again. Back on air. So Faith FM breakfast show. <laughs> it was really, it was, uh, it was just a publicity stunt. No, no, no. But no, no, I've been, no. I've been all around it. Um, it was the power of prayer. You know, Etienne was here talking, man. talking to us about the power of prayer earlier and how, you know, the impact that that has. And mm. yeah, there were times when the breakfast show was nearly done and over and finished with and Lawson was right here at the time <laughs> in the thick of it. <laughs> And, uh, fighting for it, defending it, all the rest, and, and speaking up, and, uh, and praying, and so many people were praying that yeah. the breakfast show continues. And that's why we're still here today. Yeah, 100%. It, it's a small thing compared to the issues that Etienne is talking about, you know. It's just wild some of the stories he tells. Imagine working for Voice of the Martyrs. Mm. Imagine having that job. Yeah. You know, you know you're going to be sent to somewhere like the Sudan, mm-hmm. and get a life sentence, potentially get a life sentence. Mm. What kind of a person actually takes on a job like that? Yeah, I remember my first encounter with Voice of the Martyrs was a couple of years ago. I, I, I listened to a presentation that they did. Um, it was Etienne and, and another guy, one of the leaders of Voice of the Martyrs, um, just tell, talking, telling stories about like sending weather balloons with Bibles in them into North Korea. And um, at the time, they were promoting the Richard Wormbrand movie um, and book, Tortured yes. for Christ. Yes. Um, it's fa- fantastic. Medium, Amazing movie. Um, but like, yeah, like every time it's so inspiring to see. Uh, and for us, like, you know, like as, as people in ministry, we, we like consider ourselves like, yeah, we're on the front line of Christianity. But then we see what it really looks like to, to be on the front line in a place where you're persecuted for that. And yeah, where you could actually, where you else. could actually lose your life. Yeah. And it, and it just goes to show that like the spirit, um, you know, we, we, when we reflect on the Bible, we look at Bible prophecy and we see, um, the direction that Christianity is he- heading. It, it can be disheartening 
to look at the church and and say you know because the bible itself you know in revelation talks about you know the great laodicean lukewarm state that people won't be truly committed to christ um and you know uh we just look at some of the things happening in the christian world some of the disappointments some of the people you know just the the way that people use religion incorrectly and that's happened all throughout history but particularly in our time today um and just the the issues that are going on but then you just see people truly laying their lives down for christ um giving everything being just completely self-sacrificial for the sake of others and for the sake of god And, and you see that and it's 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 just it's inspiring at least but then it's so motivating i think um for our faith like what can we be doing? I joined Voice of the Martyrs for a prayer meeting one evening, and of course it's via Zoom, so it's global, and there yeah. are people from all over the world who are Zooming in for prayer meeting, and it was a great experience, just super encouraging. But, you know, you, you, you hear these stories coming through, and this one lady's talking like, yeah, on, on Wednesday I went to such and such a place, and, um, and here she is stepping over the bodies of Christians that have been slaughtered a couple of days before, and she as a woman has gone in there. Wow to bring relief to the other Christians in that area. And she's just sort of telling the story. And you sort of think, well, this is this is a story that's coming from another universe. Mm. No. This is a story that's coming from a country that is only 200 kilometres from Australia. Yeah, wow. And that's happening right there. Yeah. Where Christians are being slaughtered because they are Christians and for no other reason. They're being killed for their faith. Yeah. There are wild things going on in our world. We need to get to our Bible study. Before we do, a quick reminder also about the Faith FM Australia app. We do want to encourage everybody to get that app. That way you are never separated from Faith FM and your favourite programming is always available right there at your fingertips. Mm. And if for some unfortunate reason you were to miss the breakfast show, you can catch it on the podcast. Oh, epic. All right, let's go to Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 3. Isaiah 60 and verse 3 is where we're going to start today. We're going to be looking at the message that Isaiah is bringing to us, the gospel message. Go for it, please, uh, Lawson. Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 3, the Bible says, All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Okay, so when you look at this story here, sorry, this verse here, I should say, it kind of makes you ask the question, how did the Jews become so insular? Mm. And uh, how did they miss the actual purpose for their existence Mm. as a nation? Because as a nation, they did not exist to just be, well, we're the only people saved on planet, on the planet, and, um, you know, all the rest of you Gentiles are just, you know, lesser individuals that are never going to uh, be able to experience salvation. Throughout the Bible, and particularly throughout the Old Testament, you have this theme coming through again and again and again about the Gentiles receiving salvation. Mm. And yet when you come down to the time of Jesus, it had become so extreme that, you know, you get down to three and a half years after the death of Christ and the gospel goes to the Ethiopian eunuch, for instance, Mm -hmm. and people are starting to freak out. They're starting to lose their minds. The Holy Spirit is, you know, under Paul and Barnabas, falls on Gentile people. Mm -hmm. And they have the evidence of conversion and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it leaves all of the Christians scratching their heads going, what? Wait? How is that even possible that somebody who is not a Jew, Mm -hmm. carries no Jewish blood, no Jewish DNA, you know, no Jewish genes whatsoever at all, 
how could they be saved? Yeah, isn't that insane? And even like, because, um, you know, Isaiah is writing and preaching this in his context, which is, you know, um, several hundred years before the time of Christ. Um, so this message already went out at that time. And then the Jews go through the experience of like the Babylonian and Medo-Persian captivity where they were already like put in very, in a very multicultural environment. Um, and it's interesting that in the reforming of the nation, they became even more insular. Yet, and by the time of Christ, this wasn't just one man speaking it. These were words that were memorized by the religious leadership. Like the book of Isaiah was, this was the, this yes. was the word of God. They knew it off by heart. Yeah. How do you, how do you actually miss this passage here? And a multitude of other similar passages that you find in the Bible that are all about, and in the book of Isaiah, all about the gospel going to the Gentiles. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. You know, there's a huge warning there for us Mm. because, you know, we look at this and we go, okay, how is this even possible? And the reason that it was possible was because of the mindset and the culture that had developed. And when they lived in that mindset and that culture, that mindset and that culture had blinded them to any alternative. Mm. So that even when they read the very, very plain statements of Scripture, they shut their minds off to those statements or came up with excuses to work around those statements so that they could continue on with their culture and the mindset that they had grown up with. Yeah, isn't it? It's actually really interesting to me the amount of mental gymnastics you would need to perform to end up in a place where you become insular as God's people. Yes. Um, because it's like, okay, so because this is their rationale essentially, was like, we are saved because we are Jews. Because For me, we were born that way. Because we were, we were born saved. So at that point, it's like, oh, like, okay, that's, that's pretty easy to understand. You're safe because you're Jews. And then that's it. Like for me, my assumption would be, okay, so then God has no bearing in your life. You're just saved because you were, you were genetically born that way. But then they're like reading in the Bible, but, but God is calling us to obedience. And then they put this other like heavy, um, you know, heavy, focus on like, okay, then we need to rigorously uphold our culture rigorously to the word, stick by every single law, which obedience is... Because if we lose our culture and we lose our traditions, then we're going to lose our nation. And if we lose our nation, we lose our salvation. Yes. But that's like, those are two competing ideas. If you're not born saved, if it's based on culture, well then like, then you're not born saved. But if no one else can be saved but Jews, then you're born safe. Like, well, see, this is how the, this is how the thought developed. And, and this is something that we need to understand because we need to be aware of ourselves because we can fall into the same traps. Mm. Uh, human beings off, naturally look for assurance, assurance of salvation. Yes. Human beings naturally look that for that because we have this thing called death and nobody wants to die. Yes. And our... You know, our, our brain is wired to keep us alive as long as possible. And so people are looking for, you know, where am I going to go after I, I die? And so they're looking for salvation. They're looking for assurance that they're going to go to a good place when they die. And so the Jewish people place salvation in their DNA, mm-hmm. in the fact that they were descendants of Abraham. Mm-hmm. But then they, then the fear comes along with that. Okay. What if we lose that? 
connection to Abraham. How mm. do you lose that connection to Abraham? Well, you lose that connection to Abraham by diluting your DNA with, well, the DNA of the nations round about. Mm. And so you become exclusive because if you interbreed with the nations round about, you are lessening the amount of saving DNA that there is within your body. Mm. But then it goes further than that because being a Jew wasn't just about the DNA that you carried, it was about the culture that you had. So if you lose the culture, if you lose the traditions, you've lost the thing that provides you salvation. So rather than God providing you salvation, you've got your Jewishness that is providing you salvation. And so then you've got laws to protect the purity of their DNA and laws to protect the purity of their religious traditions because without those two, there's no salvation. And that's where the, it was, it was being driven. This whole thing was being driven by a desire for assurance of salvation. You know, something just clicked in my brain, a, con- a connection, if you will, to another passage in the Bible that would fit perfectly within the narrative that we're like we're talking about here that over time they became more insular to protect their nation um to protect their identity identity their heritage if you remember like after the babylonian and the medo-persian captivity it's nehemiah who is given the opportunity to go back and rebuild jerusalem which is like the first and most important step um to rebuilding them as a nation and if you recall back to the last chapter of nehemiah when nehemiah returns after some years to jerusalem and he witnesses them uh, buying and selling on the Sabbath and, um, you know, uh, intermarrying. intermarrying with um, with people from other nations. And he, like, harshly rebukes them for this. Um, he even, the Bible says he grabs them by their beards and punches on with them uh-huh. um, to uh-huh. get the message clear to them. Because what, what Nehemiah was essentially trying to do was, like, these things like communicate to them that these things destroyed our nation. Yes. Losing our culture, losing our, you know, obedience to God, like in culture, in the sense that like losing our connection with God and following his will, um, that like, that is what led us astray. Um, so don't do that. And it's interesting that like Nehemiah brought in those reforms so harshly. And then we kind of see a reflection of that, in Jesus's time, where it's like the two things that he instituted, which was like non intermarriage with like other countries and, and of the he- heavy regulation on the Sabbath are the two like prevailing, um, yeah, like points of focus for the Jewish nation by the time Jesus comes around. So that, that highlights another thing that's like things with good intentions, um, that are, you know, we can just take them so astray. That's right. We can take them to extremes. Nehemiah did a great job. And, you know, th- that's why the book of Nehemiah is in the Bible. Mm. But then people are like, okay, so we need to be like Nehemiah. And so they never stopped pulling out beards and beating on people um, <laughs> all the way through until the time of Jesus. And they started adding rules to rules to rules to rules yeah. to rules until they had 600 plus rules just on how to keep the Sabbath. Mm. And Jesus comes down and says, you know, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. I created the Sabbath. I made it for man. Not man for the Sabbath. Yes. Um, I'm here to set it in its right and proper place. And there are more discussions between the Jewish leaders and Jesus Christ and more debates over the issue of the Sabbath than any other issue well. that there is in the New Testament, which is interesting because within all of those debates, you don't find Jesus saying, well, you know, um, 
you can keep a different day or we're going to change this to Sunday in a little bit of time or anything like that. No, 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 no. It's all about how to keep the Sabbath, not which day it is. Yeah, wow. And so that's significant as well from a whole different perspective, but it just goes to show how, yeah, you can take a good thing and take it too far. Well, this this just ultimately like the symptom of the human condition, right? Like the devil always tries to push us to extremes. And it's even it's like a reflection on our sinful state, you know, like how, you know, we as humans have a created in the image of God, we have all the fundamental building blocks of perfection that God has instated in us, but then it's kind of all put into this kind of friction state because of sin and it means that because, oh man, I feel like, yeah, dude, the Jews, when they were doing all those things, being insular, like none of them were consciously thinking in their mind, like, oh yeah, I want to, you know, be insular, be terrible, disobey God. Like, no, like, I feel like where they were at was like, oh, you know, they, they thought they were doing a good thing. They were essentially, Absolutely. they were misled, uh, you yes. know, their intentions were different to their eventual actions. And it's, um, like, that's a fantastic lesson for us to, to reflect on, to think, <laughs> Like of the need that we have for God. There's a, there's another lesson that comes through here, and that is the lesson of putting assurance in the wrong place. Mm. And I worry about this amongst Christianity because so often we become confused about where our assurance should be. Mm. And so many people I meet, their assurance is based in a decision that they made, you know, 15 years ago when they gave their life to Jesus Christ, and they live under the assumption that because they made that decision, they can never lose their salvation. Mm. They can lose the joy of salvation if they're not following God, but they can never actually lose their salvation. And that's not what the Bible teaches. Mm. You know, you look at the, the the parable of the ten virgins as a prime example where you've got, you know, ten virgins. Mm. Okay, they're virgins. This is God's church. This is God's people. They all have lamps. That's the word of God. They have, mm. all have oil. That's the Holy Spirit. So these are Bible-believing, spirit-filled Christians, and only mm. half of them are saved mm. because half of them fall away in the time of crisis. And you find the same issue coming through here where the Jewish people have placed their assurance in the wrong place. They've placed their assurance in DNA because somehow that is comforting. You know, I can still get away with a certain amount of sin because there is Jewish DNA in me and I still have Jewish culture, so therefore I'm good, rather than placing their assurance where it belongs with God, Mm. with Jesus Christ. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Mm. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Yes. As Christians, we should live every day with absolute assurance of salvation. And that assurance of salvation should be found in our relationship, our connection with Jesus Christ and his saving grace nowhere else. Uh, because if we place that assurance somewhere else, then it's really just, you know, we've built our house on shifting sand mm. and we're making excuses for mm. our sins. Let's never fall into the danger of making excuse for our sin. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Let's uh, get back to our Bible studies. We've got some great verses here. Isaiah 58 and verse 3. We read this one last week. We're going to read it again. And the Bible says, We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves, and you didn't even notice it. Okay, now go to 59 and verse 1. 
and you're going to find another question which is kind of a continuation of this particular question. So let's see what it says in Isaiah 59 and verse 1. Um, my Bible says, Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear your call. Okay, so this is an implied question here. Mm-hmm. The implied question is that they've been, you know, asking and God has not been listening. Mm. Uh, they've been asking for salvation. Nothing has been happening. Mm-hmm. They've been asking God, and he's just not hearing anything. Mm-hmm. And, of course, in 58 and verse 3, you don't you have an actual question. It's not an implied question, but it's an actual question where they're saying, well, you know, we, we, we fasted, mm-hmm. and you didn't see it. We humbled ourselves, and you didn't notice. And it's kind of like God's people are sort of calling out to God and like, well, what's going on? You're not taking a shred of notice of us. You're sort of living out there in the middle of space somewhere, Mm. very, very far away. And we do all this stuff and, well, you're just not there for us. Yeah, wow. So we have to find out what is the problem here. Why isn't God listening? And maybe you're listening this morning and you're asking yourself the same question. Maybe there's been times in your life where you have gone, you know what? God's just not listening to me. Mm. I've been praying. I've been taking this to God. He's just not listening. Mm. And so this might be, I'm not saying it will be, but it might have an answer to what you've been praying about. Let's go to uh, 59 and verse 2. The Bible says in Isaiah 59 and verse 2, It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. Okay, so this is a pretty plain verse right here, and it's pretty uh, (laughs) Pretty intense. It's a very intense verse, but it outlines a really, really important principle. Mm -hmm. Uh, In my version, it says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Mm. Okay, so the first couple of questions we do need to ask ourselves from verse 1 is very simply this, is there anything, any problem with God in being able to hear us or save us? Of course not. There is no problem with God. Mm. He is not deaf. He is not too far away. He hears every prayer that we pray. He has more than enough grace by which he can save us. Mm. So then where lies the problem? Mm. The problem lies with sin. The Bible says it's sin that separates between us and God. Mm. And this is where we come back to our memory verse, because in our memory verse, we find a challenge to the Jewish people saying, look, you're supposed to be the light to the world, to the Gentiles. Mm. And uh, they were like, oh, we need assurance. And they placed their assurance in DNA because that kind of guarantees that you can kind of live your life how you want. You're still a child of Abraham, so you're on your way to heaven. We have Christianity today that says, well, you gave your life to Jesus Christ 15 years ago, so you can live your life like you want, but you're still the child of God. You're still going to heaven. When you place your assurance in the wrong place, you cut yourself off from God because you can use your assurance as an excuse for sin. Yes, wow, that's powerful. And sin is what separates us from God. Yes. Now, I'm not saying this, but I am saying this. I'm not saying that the reason that you feel that God is not answering your prayers is because of your sin. Mm. But I am saying it could be. Yes. It could be. 
How are you living your life? Are you living your life victorious through the saving power of God's grace, gaining victory over temptations? Or are there temptations and there are, are there addictions that are coming into your life that Jesus wants to set you free from that are separating between you and God? Mm. Now, here's the prayer that God will never turn a, a deaf ear to, and that is the prayer when somebody comes to God and say and says, Look, I have temptations. I have sins. I have guilt. I have addictions that are separating me from you. And I want you to take those away. Mm. I confess them to you now. I give them to you now. That is a prayer that God will always hear. He will always honor. He will always act on it. And his grace is always available to you. Mm. And that's where we need to go. When these things are dragging us down, we need to go to Jesus Christ. Mm. So often we look at our life and it's like, well, this is happening in my life and that's happening in my life and God has forsaken me and we're looking for reasons. Why has God forsaken me? One of the places to start is by looking at our own life. I'm not saying this is always going to be the reason. Mm. Certainly wasn't the reason in Job's life. Yeah. I'm not saying this was going to be always the reason, but it's definitely something to consider. And I think also like... Because, because we can so easily end up in that place, um, to, to love and to harbor sin. Um, if God blesses us in the way that he plans and intends to, because he really does intend to, like God has our best interests at heart. But if we're living in sin and God gives us opportunities, like he blesses us, he gives us opportunities to represent him, but we're living in a sinful way, um, and we're creating distance between ourselves and him, it's very possible that with those blessings, we can do more harm than good. Um, and so it's like, blessing is also such a responsibility. Like, that's why it's such a privilege. Like, God, you know, as as sinners, we have, re- you know, rejected God, removed ourselves from him, and it's so merciful that he gives us salvation, not only, um, but not only salvation, but um, we were we were talking in the break about uh, Romans chapter twelve, verse one and two, um, and how you know it talks about when we submit ourselves to God as a living sacrifice, He has the ability to transform us um, to be different from the world. God actually wants to do a work in us so that we don't just become you know a terrible sinner, but who's also you know saved. No, but we can come some become something more than we are. Um, we can become someone who's following him and actually benefiting people, actually being a blessing to the world. So, like, man, yeah, I love what you said. God has every intention to bless us, has every intention to to lead us. Um, but it's just it's just up to us to, <laughs> I guess, accept that and to and to do a work in our lives. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. But, all right, Lyle, question of the day. You ready? Yes. Question of the day. Lyle, the question of the day today is, what is the cave of the patriarchs? Is it real? Okay, so the cave of the patriarchs is a cave that is in Hebron in Israel today. Now, traditionally, this is what was once known as the cave of Machpelah. And I guess the question is, is the ancient cave of Machpelah the same as the cave of the patriarchs that we have today? And the answer Mm -hmm. is we don't know. Now, with 
you know, so let's let's give a little bit of history to this. This was a cave that was purchased by Abraham. Abraham was a nomad, so he did not own land. Uh, when his wife Sarah died, he needed a place of burial. Um, Hebrew tradition for burial is to bury, bury in a cave uh, rather than to bury underground or to cremate or so forth. And so he purchased this particular cave. So it was the only piece of real estate that Abraham and his family actually owned. Uh, the word Machpelah means uh, a double cave and so having, you know, two chambers. And so there were a number of the patriarchs that were all buried in the cave of Machpelah uh, previous to the time that they went down into Egypt. Now, one would imagine that coming up out of Egypt that they would have uh, relocated that particular cave, but we've got to remember that is you know quite a number of hundred years later, and so that's where the story gets a little bit grey. Did they pick the right cave when they came back, and, or did they not? Now, once again... It's actually highly likely that they did their research and did find the correct one. Uh, there's, you know, caves are not that common. You know, there's, there's plenty of caves around for sure, but um, this was a cave that was in a prominent location. It was in Hebron. Mm. It, you know, the location of it was given, so you really all you have to do is to go to that particular location and find a cave that had been used as a tomb, and most likely you've picked the right one. And so basically since that period, this has been known as the Cave of the Patriarchs. It's been interesting to see the history of uh, what has taken place, you know, uh, down through time at that particular location. So in the time of Jesus, there was a large uh, square building that was built over and around this particular cave. It was seen as, I guess, somewhat of a sacred sacred site. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Byzantines christened over, Christians took it over and turned it into a church. Then, of course, you had the Muslim conquest. They turned it into a mosque. Then the Crusaders came and took it back. Um, and then Salah Hadin came back in 1188 and reconverted it back into a mosque. It's gone from church, from, from a building to a church to a mosque to a church and now back to a mosque again. Uh, uh-huh. Israel, the state of Israel took control in 1967 and divided it into a synagogue and a mosque. So that now there's no church. There's a synagogue and a mosque. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, back in 94, of course, there was a, a, a really nasty massacre there where mm. there was a Jewish person who killed 29 people who were praying in the mosque. That's a really horrific thing that took place at the time. But it, so, so this is the building that surrounds that particular cave at the moment. Is it a genuine site? It probably is. And this is one of the things that you are challenged with when you go to the Middle East. You will have, uh, sites that are genuine. You will have sites that have the possibility or the probability of being genuine. This one has the probability. Sure. And then you have the ones that are not genuine, and we know they're not genuine, but we go there as a place of pilgrimage anyway because they hold great tradition to something, but, well, hey, we don't even know the history of that particular location. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's just part of the uh, the mm. challenge of visiting sacred sites in the Middle East. There are actually very few that we know for a certainty that are absolutely genuine, and they're ex- kind of exciting to go to. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.